0: hey good morning everyone how are you enjoying february liking all that snow kathleen and i we bought cross country skis last year to try to enjoy the brutal winters of uh, upstate new york so we got skis and we can go right out back of our house there's a trail behind there and we went out yesterday and there's probably at least two feet of snow with all the storm we got from the last time so there's no trail. You you have to make your own trail. So I was asking Kathleen, I said, "How are you doing back there?" She goes, oh, "I'm doing great. It's wonderful because I'm making the trail. I'm sweating and I'm dying. Had a heart attack, but it's been fun. We're trying to enjoy winter, and I hope you're enjoying it too. It's February in New York. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's fun. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Those of you who are joining us online, we're um we're in a, a series looking at um the Book of Job, and and my. My prayer for you in this study is that we would get a different look at at Job. It, whether or not you grew up in church or not, everyone knows who Job was and the suffering that Job went to. And it's usually not a, a go-to book unless you're going through some type of difficult trial. And many times we'll read through to try to understand maybe the particular suffering uh, that we're going through. And I want to look at it differently. And what if what if we used... The Book of Job, to help prepare us to have a deeper faith in God, my, my prayer for you is not just to go to the book when you 're going through a deep trial, but actually, I believe God wants to prepare us to allow us to be prepared when we do go through that trial that that we have a depth in God and an understanding and a theology of suffering that can help us not that the pain is any easier when we go through those difficult trials but that we have an understanding and it's not you know it it, many times um we wait for something to happen that kind of knocks us off our game or a curveball that hits us out of the blue and all of a sudden we're just kind of scrambling like what's going on what's going on and i believe if we understand the book of job this this will give us some bearings uh, this will give us some depth into our walk with God so that we understand um, how suffering can be used in our lives. And so when we do go through those times, and we will, and many of you have, uh, it can help us to, to not only know that God is with us, that we can still trust God, that God is still faithful, and that he still loves us. Because the thing I want you to understand about the book of Job, the, the one thing that God wanted Job to understand was his character. And I believe if we can be drawn to God's character and know who he is, it will help us to traverse through the difficult things in our life. If we don't really understand the character of God, then we're going to resort to very limited knowledge or thinking we did something wrong or God doesn't love me or God doesn't care about me or why am I going through this? Is there something wrong in my life? How come other Christians don't, or other people or other believers don't go through the same thing that I'm going through? Can I just say this? We all go through stuff. Amen? We all go through stuff and we all have stuff in our lives that we struggle with. And there are going to be times in our life that we do struggle with the character of God and the love of God. But if we truly understand... The book of Job and what God is trying to reveal to Job, I believe it will help us when we do go through those difficult things in our lives. So we know we know Job as we looked at it last week, we know Job was a man of faith who was a good man. He seemed to be doing everything right with integrity and then he loses everything. And God allows him to go through this suffering. And it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And so you have 42 chapters of the book of Job, and we see chapter after chapter after chapter. Job is trying to figure out what is going on. He's praying. He's arguing with his friends. His friends aren't giving him very good wisdom or insight. Uh, Job's emotions are all over the place. He's, he's raw with God. And um, listen, have you ever been there? We've been there, right? We've been there where we're like, You know, what did I do to deserve this? Because if we look at suffering, many times we look at suffering and it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. And we're like, how does a good God or a loving God allow these things to happen? Because it just seems so senseless. But I I want us to look at it with a different perspective today. See, when I do something wrong, I believe that I deserve it or it's coming to me. That, that's easier to make sense. If I make a bad choice, when I was a kid and I messed up and I did something wrong that I shouldn't have, I knew what was going to happen. I was, my parents were going to discipline me, right? It's because I knew I did something wrong. I was, I was out of line or I did something to my sisters or whatever, and so I was going to get disciplined. Um, when you get a speeding ticket, can, can, let's, can we just be honest about speeding tickets? You deserved it. You did. You deserved it. And, you know, just to hear the excuses that officers have from people that are speeding. Well, I didn't, you know, my speedometer's not working. I didn't see the posted speed limits. Really? Was, was I really going 95 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone? Really? Was I going that fast? I didn't know that, right? We know. We, we were wrong. One time, I haven't got a speeding ticket in a long time, thank the Lord, because I'm just too cheap to pay you know, $1,000 for a speeding ticket. I'm just too cheap for that. I don't want one. It's too much money. But when I did years ago, I remember just saying to the officer, the officer comes to my window and you, you know, he goes, do you know what you were doing? I said, absolutely. I was speeding. I admit it. I was. I was, I was going over the speed limit and um, they, they, they let me go. Thank you, Jesus. They let me go. They showed me grace. See, an officer can show you grace and not give you a ticket, but in the end, we deserved it. See, but it's challenging to figure out life when I don't know why certain things happen the way they do. Why bad things happen to good people. And see, that's the issue with Job. He's trying to figure out the justice of God in his situation. Is God just. That's the crux of the book. That's the argument that he's having with his friends. Is God just? God allows Job to lose everything. And the crazy thing is this the book of Job never answers the question of why Job suffered, never answers that question. And there are going to be things in our life that are just not going to be answered. And can I relinquish myself to the idea that there are going to be things in my life that I'm not going to understand why? And we can drive ourselves crazy by trying to figure out the why. But what God does for Job, instead of figuring out the why, what God does for Job is he gives Job himself. He allows Job to understand his character. And what we're going to look at today is the scripture at the end of Job. Job has this aha moment with God. That through all his dialogue with his friends and with God, God reveals his character to Job. And then Job has this aha moment. And I pray that this speaks to your heart today. That you would understand that God is a good God. And he's a faithful God. And he cares for us. And so Job's going to have this aha moment. Now, for me, I want to know why. I want to know the answers. And over 31 years of pastoring, I've done quite a few funerals. And you stand before many people, and they're looking for answers. And I've done a plethora of services all over the board of just really difficult, difficult things that have happened in people's lives that just doesn't make sense. And I want to point people, those that are there, those that are looking for answers, I want to point people towards the hope that we do have in Christ, that Jesus did conquer this world for us, that he conquered death for us. And He's for those who put their faith in him, he is preparing a place for all those who put their hope in him. And so what I've learned over the years is stop trying to figure out the whys or what I don't know, but look to the things that I do know. And the one thing we do know is God does reveal himself to us. He does show us who he is. Jesus tells us that he overcame this world for us. So the question is, if we know that God is a good God, and we know that God is for us, then how do we suffer without expectations? How do we go through our trials without the expectations of wanting to always know why? How do we do this? Because the why was never answered for Job. So what, what do you do if you don't know why? What do you do if there's no explanation? And if we're honest with ourselves, we all struggle with those questions. Why did this have to to happen in my life? Why did that person choose to do that to me? Or why did I make that dumb choice? Or why did did this health thing happen to me? See, we try to look for easy answers to complex problems. We live in a fallen, broken world. And Jesus came to restore that, and one day God will make it all right. But as we're living in it in the context of our world, it is not easy easy see jesus never promised us a perfect world here on earth he never promised us potpourri and everything's going to be wonderful and cotton candy and potpourri he never promised us that in fact he said we would face many trials many tribulations but take heart that he's overcome this world and we can take peace in that be like well pastor that that's great but how do i get through it or how do i get through my past how do i get through these difficult things in my life. In the book of Job, we will discover that God is always with Job, and he will show Job that he indeed is sovereign, which just means sovereign, God is sovereign just means he is in control, that we can trust that God is in control. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the end of the book, and I want to see Job's response to God after all his dialogues with his friends And God. And and I want you to listen to Job's words closely. I want you to see that Job actually trusts the character of God over his suffering. That Job finally comes to the conclusion that he can trust the character of God over his suffering. So Job's suffering actually brought him closer to God, as crazy as that might sound. So let's look at Job 42. If you've got your Bibles, devices you can look up at the screens here let's look at the first 10 verses there of job 42 and let's look at job's response to the lord here is job's aha moment it says then job replied to the lord i know that you can do anything and no one can stop you you asked who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance it is i and i was talking about things i knew nothing about Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. That's all of us. I mean, Job was just being, he goes, I had questions. I wanted to know why. But God never answered them. But listen to what he says, because verse 5 is crucial. This is the whole, this is the whole book right here, right here, right here, right here in verse 5. Listen to what he says. Let's pause for a moment because this is so good. I want, I want everyone to catch this. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. What happens here is now Job, not he, he knew about God, but through his trial, through his suffering, he says, now I've seen you. What Job experienced at this moment was the presence of God, the character of God. I now know you. I've seen you with my eyes. And so what he says is, I take take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. It humbled Job. Job is humbled now before the Lord. He sees God's character and who he is. He stops asking why, but he says, now I know you. And as crazy as it may sound, God uses this situation to actually draw Job closer to him. So, So, Let's look at this question. Can God still be good and allow suffering? Can God still be good and allow suffering? Many would say that God cannot be good and allow suffering at the same time. But it's through suffering Job gains a deeper understanding of God and his character. You understanding the character of God and who he is will help you In the next trial that you will endure or that you will have to go through understanding who God is and that he's a good God and that he's a faithful God and that he's a sovereign God will help you through your next trial. If I could do anything for you as your pastor is to prepare you and to be honest with you that life does stink at times, but God is always good. And I want you to experience his presence See, so many of us, we go through life and we know about God. We know his word. Maybe you've even memorized, but how many of us know that it's when we go through the deep trials of our lives that we truly experience who he is? God wants to break us in a good way. He wants to strip us in a good way of all our securities, all our self-sufficiency. See, what protects you through your life is not your wisdom or how much we think we know, What protects us in our lives is the presence of God in our lives. See, God is not necessarily going to take us out. I mean, that's kind of the misconception I had early in my Christian walk. I had this idea that if I just put in my good things, and if I was a good bard and a good boy, and I checked off the Christian checklist of doing all the rights and not doing all the don'ts and do the do's and don't do the don'ts and do the do's and do the do's and don't do the don'ts, then then God would have to play his part. Boy, was I wrong. And if if we don't understand the character of God, when something happens that's beyond our knowledge or beyond our understanding, all of a sudden we go back to God and we think, well, God, you must not be good then. Or why did you do this to me? Or why did you allow me to go through that? But if I truly don't understand the character of God, then I will resort to futile thinking of just thinking that God is not good when he's always good. He's always good. I may not understand it, but he's always good. You hear, see, the problem is this. The problem is my finite mind. And understanding God's mind is going to be futile. We, we looked at this last week in chapter 38 where God says to Job, and he's not, listen, this sounds like, man, God's being really mean to Job. He's not. He's wanting Job to understand that our minds are finite, and, and it, it's, it's just incomprehensible for us to even understand or begin to understand the mind of God. In Job 38, God responds to him and says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? See, I want you to get a picture of this because if you're like me, the universe just absolutely blows my mind. How many of you, it's just, it just when you look up at the night sky and you look at the universe, doesn't it, do you ever just catch yourself going that it goes on and on and on and on? It's a humbling thing, isn't it? I'm kind of a, I've, I've kind of geeked out a little bit with looking at the planets and the stars over the last couple of years. I bought a pair of high-powered binoculars and I got a tripod. By no means I'm not like some of you professionals with you know, your telescopes and you're, you're much better at, than I am, but I just enjoy getting out there. So I've, in the summer... Nights I get out my, you know, driveway and I've got a good view of the, of the night sky and I'll get my high power binoculars out and I've kind of dragged my kids out there. Hey, I, I think I, I see a couple moons around Jupiter and Kathleen's like, are you on the front yard again? My neighbors are going to think you're creepy. But anyways, I'm not. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at that beautiful universe. So I'm out there with my high power binoculars and you see the moons that, you know, I've seen about four moons around, around Jupiter and, and in our night sky, we can see about 6,000 stars. But in our Milky Way, there's around 100 billion stars. 100 billion. Now, l- let's, keep, let's keep going on here. Some say there are as many as 200 billion trillion stars in our universe. 200 billion trillion stars. That's, I mean, they don't even know. They're just saying, okay, let's just throw a number out there, and that's about how many there are. It just makes you feel so small. See, what God is is saying to Job, he's not not trying to belittle Job. What he's saying is God says to Job, this is is very humbling. Were you there? Were you there? God's point is not to humiliate Job, but to allow Job to understand that we don't know everything. But God has the universe in his hands. He created all of this and every star he put in the universe. I can't begin to wrap my mind around the expanse of the universe because the more we know, the less we know. It's humbling. But yet we try to figure things out in our own wisdom and it's futile. See, God is telling Job, you can't begin to understand all that I created. It's really a matter of faith and trust. Do you trust my sovereignty? And if we understand that God is a good God and that God is a faithful God and that God is a just God, that we can trust him with our very lives. The God that created this universe and the 200 billion trillion stars meets with Job and speaks to him individually. And the God who created the 200 billion trillion stars also knows you. You see, this is the type of God we have God doesn't sit in his universe and sits back and says, well, I don't really care what goes on in these individual lives or the the creation that I've created. But God, through his loving act, sends his son, who is God, to live amongst us, to walk amongst us, to walk through everything that you and I have walked through, to suffer everything that you and I have suffered for you and I, that we might have a right relationship with God through Jesus' sacrifice by taking our sins upon himself. That's how much God cares for you and I. Jesus in the incarnation just means this God with skin. Do you realize we're going to see Jesus for who he really is one day? I can't wait to hug him. That's the God we have. He cares about us. I may not understand every individual thing that goes on, but God is good and he reveals himself to his creation as a perfect God and a perfect savior to deal with our biggest issue. And our world is a mess because of sin. And God chose to deal with it by coming right into our midst, by allowing his very own son to become our substitute, to become our sacrifice. So God... If God is big enough to create the whole universe, he must have a reason for allowing certain things to happen. I may not know, but God does. And if God holds the universe together, we can trust him. And that's God's point to Job, that he holds all things together. So what God is saying here, God wants us to experience him in the good and the bad times of life. He uses it all. See, that's the crux of the gospel message that he redeems that which was broken to use for his glory. And we are all broken vessels because of sin. And what God does is he takes our, it, 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 God takes our messiness because we, we we always pride ourselves in our, in our accomplishments and what we do and how well we do at what we do our certain thing. That's not the thing God wants us to glory in because pride sets in, doesn't it? When I begin to take, Glory in what I do and my accomplishments. God gets pushed aside. But God says, you know what? I take the broken things of this world, the beat up things of this world, and I redeem them for my purposes. I restore them for my purposes. The thing that sin has eroded and destroyed, I take that and I redeem it through my son, Jesus. And you now become trophies of my grace. That's so good. That's the heart of the gospel message. So God can use every circumstance in our lives in order for us to know him more. God can use every circumstance in our lives in order for us to know him more. So how can we understand suffering in our lives? Or or how can it be used in our lives? I love this passage in Romans chapter 5 where Paul shares how God uses trials in our lives. I want to read the first five verses there. It says, Therefore, Since we've been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Amen. And we boast, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So Paul is saying there, through Christ Jesus, we've been made right before God, and we have this peace with God, our relationship with God is now restored which was first broken because of sin and now we stand in this grace and now we ha- we can boast in this hope of the glory of God working through us because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Now, he goes Paul goes a step further. In verse 3 he says, "Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings." What? Because to the world that makes no sense. You glory in your trials? And your sufferings, those are supposed to be bad things. We try to avoid those things in our lives. This is, but not so. We also glorify our suffering because we know that suffering produces some things here. Perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us check this out to make sense of suffering paul says god actually uses these things to produce this character of god into our life and what he says is god not only does this but he gives us his presence to help us to endure through those trials So Jesus said to his disciples, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you another one, a paraclete in the Greek, another comforter to not only be with you, but to live inside of you, to give you power for living, to give you comfort, knowing that you are my children. The Holy Spirit reiterates to us that we are God's children. And Paul says that our bodies now become this temple of the Holy Spirit who gives us power for living, who reassures us that we are children of God, and so we sense and we have this presence of God each and every day in our lives. So he says now we can actually glory in our sufferings, not to see them as something shameful, but now we can glory in them because of God's grace. He's using them for a greater purpose. Man, that is good preaching. I'm sorry. I needed to hear that this morning. Are you with me, 1030 crowd? All right, just, whew. I'm a little more fired up because I had some coffee between the services. Okay, I'm a- but listen to what Paul says here. He says, how can we boast in our sufferings? Because that doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound right. That, because we, we we're taught or we're shown that you boast in your accomplishments. How many people boast in their sufferings? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear all the great stories, all these huge accomplishments. But you know what? God says, I use those stories. And I use that pain and I use that hurt to show my grace in your life, how I can restore broken vessels. That, that's such the heart of the gospel message. You see, this is the reason why I can boast. Listen, just don't follow me or Don't don't lose me. Follow me here. Here's the reason why we can boast, Paul says, in our suffering, because our relationship with God is based in grace. I can boast in my sufferings for the Lord, in the trials that I go through, in the things that don't make sense. I can boast that because of God's grace. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? I would have given up on God if my relationship with him was based on works. Here's what, here's, what do I mean by that? For this reason, I would feel entitled to a good life with no issues if it was works-related. Follow me here. Because listen, if, if, my, if my walk with the Lord is based on my righteousness or anything that I bring to the table, I could say, okay, God, I put in my heart, I put in my part. Now, you owe me this. There should be this expectation that I get to live a good life because I've done these good things. And listen, that was the faulty theology that I had when I was young in my faith or just growing in my faith. I thought, well, if I did all the right things, then, then, then God kind of owes me this in my life. But then when things didn't work out the way I wanted them to work out, my wife and I lost our first child, God stripped me of my dependency. And he showed me through all that that God is still good. And there was a deep work that God had to do in my heart because I was thinking, well, if we did did everything right, why didn't I deserve this? And I had a misunderstanding of God's character and who he was. And many of you have gone through many things in your life. You're like, why did I deserve this? Why, why did this happen? I had a misunderstanding of, of, of what God's grace is all about. That's not based on my works. We bring nothing to the table with God. Our salvation is completely based in his grace and our faith in him. You see if it's works related then I have this expectation that God should do something for me. I love what Tim Keller says. He says if we're truly saved by grace and there's nothing God can't ask of us nothing. If it's based on works then I can bargain with God. God, I do this, you do that. And I think many of us have this misconception about Christianity and our walk with the Lord, that if I keep doing these good things, then then these good things are going to happen. But how many know that that doesn't necessarily work out? But we do know this, that if our hope is in Christ, he will make all things right at the end. He will restore all things. But in this world, we're going to have to traverse through these things. But God is doing a deeper work And I know for many of you that deeper work that's in your heart and the things that you've gone through, you could say with me the deepest work that God has done in my heart was through the deepest pain. And I wouldn't wish anyone losing a child, no one. And the things that you've gone through, I'm sure you would say the same thing. But it's through the deepest things, the deepest trial, that, that God does his deepest work in our heart. You see, my heart default is to say, if I do this for you, God, then you need to do this for me. And I don't deserve difficulties because of my good work. But Paul says, I can actually, we can actually glory in our suffering because of God's grace. It's the grace of God that allows me to suffer well, knowing that it's not in vain. Through trials, we become more like Christ. We know that God will redeem all things. And so I want you to understand that what you're experiencing today is not a waste and it's not unseen by God. What Job went through was not unseen by God and God used it for his purposes. Um, Many of you may know uh, this author, this person. I I really appreciate her. I love love listening to stories. What, What grips my heart is, I love hearing stories of how people have traversed through very difficult things in their lives. I love hearing your stories um, of how God helped you through his grace, through things that you've gone through. And, um, Joni Eareckson Tada, she wrote a book, when God weeps, why are sufferings matter to the almighty? And there's a couple of things in that book. that have just spoke to my heart, but, uh, Erickson Todd is. she's a quadriplegic and she was paralyzed from the shoulders down at age 17 years old from a diving accident in the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, I love listening to her story and how God's helped her through some of the pain and the trials she went through, especially as a teenager, dealing with a horrific accident. And um, I love hearing from people like this because it shows through the deep trials in their lives how God reveals himself faithful and good to them, even through these most horrific things. And she says a couple of things here. I, I, I like this one quote from the book. She says, God always seems bigger to those who need him most. And suffering is the tool he uses to help us need him more. The greatest good suffering can do for me is to increase my capacity for God. That is so good. You see, I want you to understand that we have a future hope secured for, through us through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I want you to understand that the suffering that Jesus did for you and me, he secured a way for us through his death and resurrection. And I want you to understand that Jesus does understand this pain and this suffering, and he made a way for us so that we could ultimately be with him and that God is going to make all things new again. And it's interesting that Job alludes to this. This is interesting. In Job nineteen, Job says something very interesting in responding to his friends. Very interesting in Job nineteen twenty twenty-five, he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. What is what is Job saying here? Well, what is Job saying is, is that God will ultimately vindicate Job. In his pain and suffering, he knows that God will save him. His trust is in this Redeemer. What a perfect picture we see here in Jesus. We have a Redeemer in this risen Savior, in our risen Savior Jesus Christ, because Jesus endured the worst suffering for us. And he was victorious, and he lives today. In fact, Paul encourages his writers as he he writes his letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 8. He says, we can trust God that he will work out all things for his good, for his purposes, for those who love him. He's working all things for his good. We may not see that good right now, but we will one day when he restores everything, when we see him in heaven. Paul also says that nothing in this world will ever ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's the hope we have, that we will be with Christ, that he's using all these things to draw us closer to him. So here's, listen, I can't, I, I, I can't tell you the why or why things happen to you, but I can tell you this. The thing that God revealed to Job was this, his presence. He met with Job. And I'm reminded of how God worked with others as they traverse through tremendous things in their lives, and I and I think of Joseph, and I was reading in my devotions the other day, and this kind of popped up, and it was so good. And um, Alistair Begg devotional, he he, um, it's, that devotional is, is is called Truth for Life. If you, I don't recommend a ton of books, but that devotional by Alistair Begg is just every day, Catherine. I'm like, this is good, this is good. But something he brought up here about Joseph just spoke to me, and so I was. Looking at it last night, so I added it for you. So this is bonus material for all of you here today. So just you're blessed by this bonus material by Alistair Begg. But I love what he said here. Um, Joseph going through, you know, getting sold into in a slave train and slavery and all the things he had to endure. And eventually God lifted him up into a position of authority within the Egyptian government, and the, the, the Egyptian nation. But, but what's interesting is what God did for Joseph through all those things and and how Joseph trusted the Lord through all the the turmoil that he went through. And in Genesis 39, 2, it just simply says this, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. And Alistair Begg says this, he says, Joseph wasn't protected from his circumstances. He was protected by the presence of God. What protected Joseph was not an instantaneous changing of his circumstances. What God knew Joseph needed the most was his presence. See, my problem, my mind wants to shift right away. God, change my circumstances, change my circumstances, change my circumstances. And, and God says, no, wait, 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 wait. Can he do that? Absolutely. But for us to really know God and to truly protect us, It's not just a mere changing of the circumstances. It's God wants to give us his presence. The best thing God could ever give you in whatever you go through in your life, whatever difficulties you may go through in your life, is his presence, that he will be with you. And he's using things for his glory and his purposes. See, Job said, I'd only heard about you before. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. And I would say to you, invite Christ into your trial. Invite right into your messiness. And say, Christ, I need your presence here. I'm trying to figure everything out. I've read, you know, 14 how-to books. Nothing's helping. And God says, because I want to show you my presence. And that was the one thing I learned after the death of our daughters. (laughs) I wanted to know God. I wanted to know his joy. I didn't want to say, well, because I've done everything good, God, then you owe this. No, I really want to know you because either, listen, either trial is going to move you further away from God or it's going to draw you closer. And I said, God, I want to know you. And I don't have it all together. But he showed me his faithfulness, that he is good. And seeing how God's church rose up and ministered to Kathleen and I was amazing. I only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my very own eyes. John Newton's words in amazing grace. "Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I want you to know that God's grace is with you. He wants you to invite him into your trouble and allow his grace to give you his strength. I wish I could tell you the answers for why you are going through what you're going through or what you have gone through, or what you will have to endure. But I can tell you one thing, God's presence is there, and God's presence will be the thing that will protect you. My prayer for you as your pastor is that you would be reminded of that during the next thing that you go through. (laughs) That you would say to yourself, God, you knew about this all along, and it didn't surprise you. But I need you. I need you right now, and I need your presence and i know your character is good and i know you're a good god and i know you'll never leave me or forsake me and i don't know why i'm going through this but i know you're good and i know you're faithful so let's not doubt god's character let's rely on his presence and his grace to bring us through and not our works and god will help you he will help you and he would draw you close to his side And he will allow your character to become more like him. And he does that through suffering. I wish there was an easier way. But he knows, the God of the universe knows, so I just got to trust him because I know he's good. I know he's good. And I'm so glad that God didn't give up on Job and God doesn't give up on you. He loves you way too much. Amen. I'm done. I'm done. I'm emotionally spent today, so I'm done. But I want to take communion with you, with all of you today and, and just celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Um, you've got your cup there. I want to pray for all of you, and we're going to take communion and just celebrate what Jesus accomplished for you and I and how we can trust Christ with our life. So um, would you pray with me this morning? Those of you that are watching online, would you pray with me? And, and whatever you're going through today, I pray that you would, you would trust the Lord in his presence, that you would invite Christ into your heart, into your life, into to, to your, whatever you're going through today and allow him to speak to you and give you his grace because he's faithful to do that today. So, Father God, we come before you today and I thank you that you are good and, and life doesn't make sense at times. But Lord, I thank you that you are consistent, that you are faithful, that you are a rock. Lord, help us to trust your presence more than our circumstances. Lord, help us to know that you are there, that you are with us, that you are good. So I pray for every person here, those watching online, Lord, whatever they're going through, that you would just reveal yourself in such a a real way to them as you did, Job. Lord, thank you that even through humility, you lift us up. And you want us to come to you, nothing in our strength or our wisdom, but simply come to you in humility and you lift us up as we trust you because you are so tender and you show us mercy beyond what we deserve. So we thank you. And as we take communion today, we just thank you for Jesus' life and that everything he did, he did for us, that he took on our suffering, our pain, our sin, so that we could be in right relationship with God the Father again, and we could have a new life restored, redeemed. Thank you, Lord, for restoring us through your Son, Jesus. And it's his precious name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take let's take communion together. The top layer there, the top little filament or whatever, the little wrapper there, you can take that off first. That'll... Give you the wafer and then the next. You can pull that. Let's pull that back now. That reveals the juice. You can pull that back. Amen. 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 Lord, we just thank you for uh, this wafer that we hold in our hand. We thank you that it symbolizes Jesus, your body, that was completely given for us as a perfect sacrifice. Lord, bind us together as a church. Bind us together through your body, your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for doing the work for us because we could never appease the holiness of God without a Savior. And Jesus, you were that perfect Savior. There's no other way we can approach God except through you, Jesus. So we thank you for your life that you gave for us in your precious name. Amen, amen. Let's partake of the wafer together. And Lord, thank you for this cup that we hold in our hand. Without the shedding of blood there could be no forgiveness of sin and we thank you that you shed your blood for us so that we could be covered, atoned for and it's through you, Jesus, that we are made right before God. Cleanse us anew and afresh today and we remember your perfect sacrifice that was accomplished for us and by taking this we are proclaiming that you are God that you are the only way to God. The only way to eternal life is through you, Jesus, and we thank you that you came to earth to live among us, to show us the way back home. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. 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 Amen.